fellas, don't drink that coffee. like we didn't record episode 14 and 15 right in a row and like i haven't talked to you in a week oh yeah how was your week it's really good yeah went by fast we're not very good at doing this so let's get right into episode 15 it's wrong. Um, this one is called slaves and masters which i'm guessing is josie yeah I, yeah josie right? and then thomas eckhart Right, and Catherine, I guess, would be Masters. Thomas Eckhart. Um, end of line. Um, so <laughs> this was written by Bob Engels and Harley Payton, who were two of the head writers. They've, we've seen their names before. But directed by first-time Twin Peaks director, and I'm pretty sure this is her first directing job, was Diane Keaton. Can I say something about Diane Keaton? Please do. So this was a thought that I had. Okay. Uh, the other night because I saw her on something and, uh, and there's just all this stuff about Meryl Streep because, you know, she yelled at the president or whatever. Um, but everybody's like, oh, Meryl Streep's the greatest living actress. But why doesn't, why don't people say that about Diane Keaton? Like, honestly, given the bodies of work, I think Diane Keaton's the best, like the greatest living American actress. I will disagree. I think Diane Keaton is one of the best actresses of all time. I think she's fantastic, but I don't think she's in the same category as Meryl Streep. Why? If you put... Okay, here's why. I don't know why this all boils down to me for me, but like... (laughs) If you put Diane Keaton in Meryl Streep's role in defending your life, she would not be as good. Oh, I disagree. You're wrong. Oh, Sean, I disagree. No. Meryl Streep is... See, I get this argument that you're making because I, there, there's an argument to be made uh, when Matt Damon was up for The Martian and Leo, Leo DiCaprio was up for The Revenant. Yeah. And they were saying, like, who's the better actor between those two actors? Like, not, not that performance, but who's the better actor? And they said it was Damon because you could put Damon in The Revenant and it would still just be as good. But you couldn't put Leo in The Martian and get the same kind of performance that Damon gave you. Sure. So I get the argument that you're making completely, but I, I disagree with it. Dan so King like, was in Annie Hall and The Godfather, one of the greatest dramas of all time and one of the greatest comedies of all time. But you're, and she was flawless in both of them. I'm I'm not shooting her down for that, but I'm saying like the body of work that Meryl Streep has done. I don't I mean like she was in those movies, but like do we was Meryl Streep up for those roles? Like we don't know. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like you can't say that because she was in those movies, she's the greatest. Like yeah, she was oh, no, great. No, no, no. She was they were she was fantastic in those roles, but 
I think Meryl Streep's the best. I just do. I'm sorry. Like she is. It's. I mean, it's not like you're, it's not like I think that you're ridiculous for thinking that Meryl Streep's great. But I, but uh, I, I'm just like nobody ever mentions Diane Keaton in that argument. It, and I'm if, like, if your point is that that Diane Keaton is being like overlooked and underrated, then I am one thousand percent behind you on that. But yeah, to, I mean, to, that's, but that's to say, my broader but point. to go and say that she's better than Meryl Streep. I don't know that I can go that as far with you. I think she's amazing. I think she's one of the greatest. If you think she's being underappreciated, I'm sure you're right. Because I can make that same argument. I don't think Meryl Streep would have done nearly as good in Annie Hall. And she would have been a terrible in The Godfather. Um, I don't know if she would have been... I don't know if Annie Hall was right for... But she was in well, Manhattan, wasn't she? <laughs> Yeah, Manhattan, but you can't make the same argument. You can't be like, well, I don't think that movie would have been right for her. Well, Diane Keaton might not have been right for defending your life. <laughs> if I feel like I feel like that role she could like for some re- for me she could have done that. You know what I mean? But Meryl yeah, Streep, that sh- like I don't know why that movie for me, that movie is like one of my favorites. Um Defending Your Life? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. Okay. Anyway, Sorry. have you? Sorry. Did, I, this is a. Did you see the the Young Pope? No, I have not watched it. But that's maybe that's why I was thinking about it. Um, you should watch it. It's fantastic. Because she's probably great in it, huh? She is great in it. See, and, but it, and it's like kind of complicated, like her part. And it, the the show the show is fantastic. If you haven't watched the Young Pope, I went into that going like, what is the show going to be? I'm not interested. Um, who is fantastic in that show is Jude Law is so good and the young Pope holy well, crap sup- no talk about great actresses yeah he's amazing um, All right. Diane Keaton is an amazing actress I don't know if she's a fantastic director um, <laughs> this episode to me before we start it just feels like her trying to do a David Lynch kind of thing, and that never works. Mm, um, I could see that. It it feels very like if a Twin Peaks fan could direct an episode of Twin Peaks. Um, and maybe that's what was happening. Yeah, I think it is, and I think they're like, oh, cool. Like people will probably t- at this point, it's worth noting that like the ratings were not great, and so I'm sure when they they had that opportunity, they're like, hey, whatever will boost our share that night. Um, and I don't, this is not the worst episode of Twin Peaks. It's just, there's a lot of stuff that seems a little heavy handed and, um, you know, totally, but, uh, you know, that, you know, whatever. Um, well, let's get into it. Right. Father of the bride. She was in reds. <laughs> okay. Um, this is just Sleeper. the percolator. This is episode 15. Um, you can follow us at percolator pod. You can follow us individually at Dallas underscore MC or at Sean T. O'Donnell. Um, Go buy my album. It's on iTunes. Dallas's album is entitled An Evening of This. It's a comedy of one-liners. <laughs> what? It's one-liners comedy record. Oh, God. Yeah, it sounds awesome. <laughs> Go buy it. Go buy it. Uh, available now for eight ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first shot is Wyndham She Earl's. directed nine things. Who? Diane Keaton. Nine is nine things a she movie. She directed a movie called Heaven. She directed an episode of the CBS School Break special. She directed she directed Belinda Carlisle Runaway Videos. Yeah. 
an episode of China Beach. Okay. And then Twin Peaks. Uh, Was China Beach Wild. before Twin Peaks? Yeah, nineteen ninety. So are you it going? Was, are you going from the start? Was that from the yes. start of where? Okay. Yep. So yeah. This, this is not her. This Heaven is not was, her debut. No, Heaven was eighty-seven, and then nineteen ninety she did School Break Special, Belinda Carlisle, China Beach, and then in ninety-one Twin Peaks, a movie called Wildflower, and then in ninety-five she did Unstrung Heroes, two thousand she did Hanging Up, and then in two thousand one she did an episode of a TV show called Pasadena. Did you ever know that show? No. Yeah, so maybe not a great director. Okay. All right. But an, but an underrated and amazing actress. She um, was in Reds. She was in Reds. So um, the first shot is a kind of a really slow motion shot of a chessboard. Um, and again, there's like a lot of really slow-mo and a lot of imagery in this episode of Twin Peaks. And there's this shot of Evelyn in kind of this like funeral hat with the veil and the cops are um, asking questions about James. So James has been set up here. Um, After the cops leave, finally, Evelyn's having second thoughts about them setting up James and Malcolm is uneasy with this. He says, I'm not sure I can can tolerate a nervous co-conspirator. and cut to Wally's, hideout Wally's, which James Wally's. is there. James, why are you at Wally's right now? Like, why did you not? Yeah, it's part of the Marsh residence. Yeah. You need to get For all we know, it's place. literally their kitchen. Why did you not get further <laughs> away? Um, this is a weird scene. Why does the bartender know Donna's name? He's like, can I get you something to drink, Mrs. H- Miss Hayward? And we're like, what? I know she was there earlier, but like, she's not a regular maybe that's why people like hide out wallies and also what's weird is it was like it was it was daytime when the cops were asking questions at the marsh residence so that's like the next day and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden it's nighttime at wallies so like did we just skip a whole day or was that a mistake um i'm sure meryl streep could have directed it better I, did, I mean, all I mean, I just want to say that it's wrong. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah. So Donna's like calling, decides she's going to call Ed and she's talking really loudly on the phone until like a, uh, a cop comes over and then she starts like making up another story. Um, it's a really kind of strange and odd scene. Bobby and Shelly are at the sheriff station and, um, they're talking about Leo. Bobby has a funny line about, what about Leo Stein? Um, what is Bobby wearing on his head? He has some strange hat. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, you know, the Harry tells him he's going to have, you know, cops looking out for Shelly, and Bobby's very sarcastic and saying, like, oh, we're, you know, we're really grateful. Fantastic line yeah, here. this is... When, when we're introduced back to uh, Albert Rosenfield and uh, like Bobby's already well, I like... I want to go back to the Bobby thing. Real okay, quick. go ahead. Go ahead. Go back. Probably my favorite Bobby scene in a long time. Okay. Yeah. Because he's back to being Bobby, right? Yeah. And, and he, when they did that the first season when he was in there and like being an asshole, you know? Yeah. Like I w- he just seemed like a really bad actor, but I feel like he's like grown as an actor since sure. then. Yeah. And this was like way better... 
just a way better performance. Yeah. I guess. And I just was like, I was like kind of giggling the whole time. I prefer Bobby being the like snotty punk than the like guy blowing the trumpet while Ben Horn, you know, recites the Gettysburg address. Totally. Um, but Albert shows up and it's just like so it's such a great delivery of get a life punk when as as Bobby's leaving. <laughs> it's yeah. just fantastic art. Um so Albert is back. Rest in peace, Miguel Ferrer. Um he has news about Windermerle and um how oh, he says he he delivers a message from um um from Gordon Cole. And he says, and he get, does like a Gordon Cole impression, which is really yeah. funny where he goes, I'm worried about Coop. Um, yeah, it's really good. So, see, Dallas, you're not the only person who does a David Lynch impression. Uh, Miguel Ferrer, <laughs> Albert Rosenfield does too. Well, I'm the only living person that does a David Lynch impression. So, um, oh, really? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, let's make your album $7.99 to try to get people to buy it now. Um, if I could. So this is what Windermere has been up to. He's been sending articles of clothing to police stations across the country. And the, the let, like the way he did it on the map makes a big C across the Midwest. Um, and every thing he's sent was an article of clothing that Caroline wore at her wedding to Wyndham, um, which is really creepy. So he's involving like all these different law enforcement agencies kind of daring them to come find him. Um, and Albert has a, some line about, you know, but I'm guessing the only person he's going to dance with is you. Um, oh, I want to dance with somebody. Yeah, it's, it's weird they didn't cut right into that song. Uh, <laughs> and then he also mentions that Map was found taped under the bottom of the table where, uh, where Windermere had broken in to start the fire. Um, he has a funny line about Coover's new attire. And he says what would normally be considered fashion suicide, trading the FBI attire for the plaid on you at works. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Looks good on you though. Huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> you get a free bowl. Of, you, you, what is it? You get a free bowl of soup. Um, yeah. This hat, this hat looks like it comes with a free bowl of soup. Hey Whitey, where's your hat? Um, looks good on you though. So back at Windermere's cabin, he's wearing like a onesie. And he's playing really poorly, playing a flute to a flute track. Um, anyway, Leo wakes up. And in the meantime, since the last episode, Earl has done his research on Leo. It's just like, how did he do that? Did, did he also invent the internet? And he's got a printer? Like, he's got Leo's head, you know, mugshot and all of the things Leo is arrested for. So, um, Well, he had probably been tracking Leo. No, he's like you think so. Well, I mean, didn't when when Leo stumbled into his place in the last episode, didn't he like say his name? No, I don't think so. Did he? I think he did. I thought he asked him what his name was. No, I think he like knew his name. Oh, weird. Maybe he did. Um, but mm. he says in the since I've like been doing my research on you, but maybe he meant before. Um, yeah. He tells Leo that he wants his help in his obedience, and he basically puts a dog collar on him um, and shocks him and makes him eat gruel. Um, so Wyndham Earl's not a very nice guy. No. Um, 
So Ed and Norma finally, finally do the deed. Uh, Ed talks about how it's been 20 years since they were last together. And then Norma kind of wistfully speaks about how she just kind of put herself into the diner, her work. And, but the two of them, they agree it's, it's now it's about the future. Um, it's a classic love story of betrayal Nate, and heartbreak. <laughs> Nadine shows up and rips the door off. Um, <laughs> there's not a, they didn't make a door that Nadine couldn't just rip straight off the hinges. Um, oh, so um, <laughs> <laughs> big Nadine fan. So Nadine shows up and she's kind of disheartened not to find her husband in bed with another woman, but because she was disqualified for doing the airplane slam, which is illegal uh, in the wrestling tournament. Second place. And she took second place. If you're disqualified, yeah. by the way, you don't get second place. You don't place at all. Um, yeah. Well, everyone gets a trophy these days, Sean. So, well, it's not these days. This, these were many days ago. Everyone gets a trophy. So she she apologizes to Norma for beating Hank within an inch of his life. And... Uh, she tells them that she knows about them, even though they're both naked in bed, and uh, which is good for her because now she doesn't have to feel so guilty about Mike. Oh boy! Um, yeah, right. Mike's gonna die. Yeah, Mike. Mike. Mike might die. Snake. Um, <laughs> so Josie, oh, at the Martell house, um, Harry and Coop showed up to question Josie about Jonathan who was shot three times in the back of the head. Harry is pleading with her. Like if you're Who's gonna... Jonathan, who's Jonathan, <laughs> my drama. Um, <laughs> he says, if you were ever going to tell the truth, now would be the ideal time. Coop uses this as an excuse to excuse himself. And uh, at this point he, he meets up with Pete. Who's just coming in with a like ridiculously large amount of Josie's dry cleaning. Um, and uh, and they're really funny. They have some conversation. I would love to watch more of Coop and Pete uh, at any point in the show. But um, Cooper then Agreed. decides he's going to take some fibers from one of Josie's coats. Um, if you remember, Albert found like a certain kind of fiber from the coat where the coat where he was shot. They were found outside of his room the night he was shot. And um, at the end of the scene, Thomas Eckert calls Josie now that he's checked into the Great Northern. Um, the Ben Horn scenario has moved from his office into the lobby um, where there's no guests, but all the bellboys are there and they have drums. And uh, it's kind of funny. Like this, this plot has at least kind of taken the turn into like something worth watching, I feel like. Um, yeah, it's gotten and, silly. And maybe just in like bringing in some of the other characters, it makes it like less just, you know, one note um, where it's just where it was when it was like just Bobby and Ben. It was kind of like ugh, this again. Um, so Jer mentions to Audrey that maybe this isn't such a bad thing that kind of he has some ideas he could maybe get by now that Ben's incapacitated. Audrey reminds him that if he's incapacitated, it's kind of her now who's in charge um so but it, but the reality is that audrey really wants jacoby to bring her father back um yeah. and so jacoby has a kind of interesting line where he says i think it's time we implement the 
uh, Appomattox scenario. Uh, Bobby shows up in an outfit and he plays uh, uh, Dixie on the trumpet and they're, they're all singing and Jerry Horn is just screaming. Or Johnny Horn, the brother in the Indian headdress, is just screaming. And, um, yeah. Okay. Yep. It's a very, it's a very Lynch scene. Yeah. Except he wasn't there. Um, well, feels like it. He was off doing something else. Um, he was cooking quinoa. Um, <laughs> Evelyn, I'm worried about Coop. I'm worried about Coop. Evelyn is drunk at Wally's. And, um, which may or may not be on her property. Donna wants to know, she shows up, they're still there. Why are Donna and James still there? God, they're dumb and they don't know how to evade the police. Donna well, wants to know, teenagers. Donna wants to know why she's doing this to James. James was good at two things, cars and me. <sighs> and poems, Evelyn. Damn. <laughs> if you took the time to get to know him, Evelyn. You would know that he's also good at poems. And um, songwriting. And singing. Just you. Oh, God, Bob just showed up. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Malcolm shows up and threatens Donna. Basically, if she ever comes back there, he's going to kill her. Great, Donna, take the hint. Get out. Leave, please, quick. Um, uh, too easy. And then there's another weird, like, kind of artsy shot of Diane Keaton trying to make a David Lynch show, and it's like a, the chess piece. Why do you have to just take a, like, a dig at her for no reason? Well, do you ever think that, like, Diane Keaton was like, you know, when she was on the set of The Young Pope with Jude Law, I was just sitting there going like, I directed an episode of Twin Peaks. (laughs) No, but I do bet she was like, I was in The Godfather. (laughs) Do you think when she's like at the Oscars and like she's nominated for something, she's like, remember, remember Malcolm? Remember that scene where I directed Malcolm to threaten Donna at Hideout Wally's? This definitely happens. I guarantee you it happens. (laughs) Um... Back at the sheriff's station, the the coat fibers that Cooper pulled are uh, they're a match. Um, Albert says either Josie pulled the trigger or she's loaning out her winter wear. <laughs> hey, can, you, can we can we pause here for a second? Pause for a second. Pause for a second. Hey, what were you saying? You guys hear so bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know what those packages are, but. They were in the thing for you. Oh, they could be anthrax. <gasps> they could be anthrax, Sean says. They could be anthrax? Yeah, like the CD. Because we did that Columbia House deal where we got six CDs for a penny. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you guys cancel. Make sure you cancel. No, no, no. We're, we've been doing it for three years now. It's great. You got to cancel. Yeah, that's all Heidi's. Bye. Can we go back to recording? Yeah, I never stopped. Um, okay. We're going to go back to recording so we can get through it. Is it from Hong Kong? But it's addressed to you? Is this from Hong Kong? Oh, it is just me. Is this your birthday present? I don't know why it would be addressed to you, but it could be. Is it from Hong Kong? It's from Hong Kong. It could be from Thomas Eckert. <laughs> oh, it's Tom. Honey, can you let me know if it's Thomas Eckert? Like, what is Thomas Eckert? And if, it is, if it is, run. Uh-huh. Do you know who Diane Keaton is? Like a face? No. 
Are you just playing how young is your wife right now? No, uh, we have we've been having this debate on the No, podcast. but we could. We could. Yeah, we could. Shots that we could play that. <laughs> you said we could play that. Uh, she was in The Godfather. She was in Manhattan. Annie Hall. She directed an episode of Twin Peaks. She directed an episode of Twin Peaks. This episode that we're talking about. She directed an episode of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Don't be mean to be mean. <laughs> Uh, I'm seeing if this is the birthday gift. What? Huh? Oh. Oh, now we have to be an explicit podcast. You can't keep all that in. I said a pause. Oh, uh, when, when was I pausing? Oh, when you said pause. <laughs> all right, we're going to go back to recording. So if you could be quiet, that'd be great. Well, I don't know. As soon as we get done with this, the more you talk, the longer it goes. Okay. I love you. <laughs> go ahead, Sean. Okay, here we go. I'm not. I'm not cutting any of that. Okay. Um. Okay. All right. So this is what's funny to me. So, <laughs> um, the the coat fibers were definitely from Josie's coat, and then they talk about how there's a sketch out. They're searching for a, a woman of her age and her like an Asian woman of her age and there's a sketch that is literally her. And then Coop goes, I hope it's not Josie. It's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) Yeah, that is very true. It was a police sketch of her. God, I really hope it's not her. Um, It was like Kaiser Soze. (laughs) And then, uh, yeah, Albert goes, I think our sheriff's got a serious problem with his girlfriend. Um, So, and then, they have uh, some info on the guy who was killed and found in the office. His name was Eric Powell. He was a merchant marine. What's a merchant marine? Uh, you know what? I don't know. Someone tweet us at Percolator Pod. Because that's easier than me Googling it. Um, Coop, Coop notes that Powell is Carolyn's maiden name. Um, and while this person was not a relative, he thinks that Earl's, he says, is playing a game according to his own rule. Um, and when he takes a piece from the board from now on, someone's going to die. And he says, uh, he mentions again, he's never beat him and he needs a chess expert. Harry says, we have one of the best in town and damn it, if it isn't Pete, um, which is fun. So at the double R, they have a couple of games set up and Pete's playing Doc Hayward. He's playing Coop. And of course, he's playing Toad. Who's got glasses on for the occasion? Um, and Pete beats them all handily. So Coop asks Pete for help. He says he, he wants uh, the objective would be have a get a stalemate with as little lost pieces as possible, none if possible, because he doesn't want anyone else to die. And Pete takes him up on this. Um, nice. And at the double R, Shelly has returned with a broken arm or whatever, whatever how bad her arm was. I'm not sure if it was broken or not, but. Um, we're happy to have Shelly back, the double R, right? Uh, always happy to have Shelly back. At least she's not just like spoon feeding um, Leo baby. The Leo. Food. Yeah. Um, so Harry wants to talk to Norma, and he, he tells her that Hank's about to get out of the hospital, but he's going to go away for a long time between the, um, you know, the, all the charges he has, breaking parole, and then also they're going to charge him with attempted murder of Leo Johnson. Um and then there's another really arty shot of the moon in the forest. Um, 
So Thomas Eckert shows up to the Martell residence and Catherine looked like she's wearing like a contractor bag, like a big, huge garbage bag, which is funny, but like Thomas Eckert is wearing a tuxedo with like a funfetti tie. <laughs> like, <coughs> ooh, sorry. Is, is he going to kill Josie or make balloon animals at Friday's? It was Bill Nye. He, like, honestly, what is he wearing? It's ridiculous. Um, he has anyway. a fun side. That's what she fell in love with. I guess. I guess he really looks like he's a children's birthday party, like, you know, entertainer. Um, <laughs> Thomas Eckert mentions he was su- surprised, surprised to get an invitation. <laughs> There's a really weird moment where, like, Josie's hands... Catherine mentions her hands and he like grabs her hand. Basically they're going to make a deal for Josie, right? Uh Catherine's going to give Josie to Eckert, but she wants to be compensated. Um, And then there's this like kind of really like a slow-mo shot of Evelyn blowing smoke rings for what reason? Um, James shows up and he's really mad. He wants to know why he was set up. Evelyn, you know, finally comes clean and says she did it all. She did it for the money. And, um, you know, Malcolm kind of came up with the frame. But, you know, she doesn't She doesn't feel bad. You know, she's not a good person. And she liked James for, you know, f- him being good and for the, for the good and honest way that he... She says, for the good and honest way that you taste. Which is mm. like, barf. And just then Malcolm hits him with the butt of a gun, but doesn't kill him. Um, but really, we got to thank you for that one, Malcolm. But next time, a little bit harder, right? Just a little bit well, harder. Yeah. You, you know, it doesn't, you don't always kill someone with the butt of a gun. So Malcolm then starts making up a story about how James got, you know, they're kind of making up a story to get rid of James. Um, she, he wants to have... Evelyn shoot James, say that he broke in, they were in an argument, blah, blah, blah. She was defending herself. But all this is like done kind of in a really weird slow motion with like a lower, his voice is lower. And it just really feels like someone trying to do like a David Lynch impression, you know? Yeah, that one was weird. There's no reason for it. Yeah, it was. And what's funny is I was trying to figure out if that was real or if that was just the Netflix slowing down. No, like um, so. This brings up one of the main, one of the biggest problems with the show is that there's when directors tried to do or writers tried to do a David Lynch impression, it just sucks. Like you can't do it. Lynch is just weird. He just is a he's a weird guy. He makes strange and interesting you know, art. And if you're not, if you're like trying to repeat that just never really pays off. I feel like, so the directors who had their own voice and used that in the show, the show also benefited from that. But when it was someone trying to do a David Lynch thing, I just feel like it always seems so contrived and it, it really hurt the show. Um, yeah, I could see that. And as much as I think Diane Keaton is a good director in that the performances are good, like, you know, usually you see that when you have actors directing. The performances are all great, but some of the direction is a little, like, over the top, 
because that's how they felt about Twin Peaks. But anyway. Yeah. I apologize for my cat. That's okay. He's at work. He's on a diet and he's not happy about it. <laughs> so he's just going <laughs> food. Pretty much. Food. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, yeah, I hear. Hey, big. hey, cat. I hear ya. Huh? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, kitty. Um. So back at the Great Northern, this is going to be the end to the Ben Horn Civil War saga. We're going to finally put this to bed. Audrey has dressed up, and she's now playing along. And um, Jer, or, uh, Brother Jerry is also playing along. Um, I will say that Diane Keaton did give us like kind of the best version of this plot with the last scene and then this one. So well, she was up to direct. Um, she was up to direct. Uh, Stop. <laughs> uh, Saving Private Ryan. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> last second. Last second switcheroo there. So she does really good with war scenes. Sure. Who did they get for yeah. that one? Oh, God. Who did they get for Saving Private Ryan? I want to say it was uh, please feed, Tom, please, Tom. Please feed your please feed your cat, please. I want to say it was Tom Hooper, the guy who directed Late Miz, but I think it was Steven Spielberg. Give your Listen, cat I, the, give your The cat best food. I can do with the cat is I can put him in the bathroom. <laughs> Which might have to happen. Tweet us at Percolator Pod to let us know what should happen to the cat. Um, <laughs> please, <laughs> please. Do. So, uh, Jacoby Jacoby plays uh, uh, General General Grant. You know, it's, uh, uh, Ben is is generally, and so yeah. they've did the Appomattox uh, scenario is that they're going to make basically to make the North surrender to try to get Ben out of this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's all really done pretty funnily, like, or funnily it's done, it's done funny. Um, you know, when Jacoby comes out, they're talking and then the, like the, uh, Confederate flag flag falls down in between them. And so finally, but basically in the end, Ben finally, um, signs, they sign the paper where the North surrenders and he passes out. Um, and upon coming to, there's kind of that Wizard of Oz, uh, Wizard of Oz scene where he's like, "I had a dream, and you were there, and you were there." Yeah. And um, it's great, but you wish it was just a little quicker because it's like, okay, we get it. Um, and he has like a line about, "What are you doing in those clothes?" And everyone's very excited that Ben is back. I feel like we are too, and that we don't have to go through this anymore. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess I was see. I was enjoying this the last two episodes. Okay. Yeah, I guess Ben can kind of get back to his old ways now. Um, yeah, which I was, I'm kind of whatever about. Okay. Well, we'll see. Maybe this will be a brand new Ben. Oh, maybe. Um, Under the tutelage of Diane Keaton, maybe he'll be better. Maybe. So Wyndham Earl is, uh, is in disguise, or he's kind of putting on some sort of disguise. And Leo is busy writing. Um but not doing a very good job of it. And Wyndham is a little upset at this, but Leo, we know Leo is not doing well. Leo can't write. Leo can barely talk. Um, so Wyndham starts helping him and he says, you know, pretty words for pretty girls. We see three photos um, of Donna, Shelley, and Audrey, which interesting enough, that's the three who were on the cover of Rolling Stone that summer. Um, and he says, which one shall be my queen? 
And to which Leo takes a little bit of offense to this and he starts saying no, no, um, in his kind of Leo Stein voice. Um, well, that's because he's all about democracy and he's not really into this whole <laughs> <coughs> queen king. Leo's really into democracy. <laughs> I don't understand, though, when he takes the crumpled up letters and puts them in it. Like, what is he hoping to happen there? Well, I guess you're going to find out. I um, guess. But I'm going to get really upset if they take a letter out of an envelope and it's like perfectly written. <laughs> Because you saw what it looked like. Yes. <laughs> it was pretty illegible. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, we don't know which one. We don't know which letter we saw, because apparently there are going to be a couple of these, right? We see him deliver the, one of them in the next scene. So maybe we won't see which one we just saw Leo writing. Um, so back at the Marsh residence, Evelyn and Malcolm are there, and then... Um, trying to figure out what to do. And Donna shows up. So, you know, someone's about to die. And so excited. sure enough, within like two lines, Malcolm gets shot. Best um, part about it was I didn't know if it was going to be Malcolm or Evelyn, but you knew it was going to be one of them. Yeah. So, so Donna shows up and Malcolm grabs her, but Evelyn's got the gun and Evelyn could give the gun to Malcolm and shoot Donna. Evelyn could shoot Donna, but instead she shoots Malcolm. She she just can't do it anymore, and also because when Dawn is there, she just summons the Grim Reaper upon it all. Um, so yeah, Malcolm, you're the next contestant on Dawn is gonna kill somebody, um, and then Evelyn is now going over her story about why she shot Malcolm. I mean, like she's just kind of losing her mind. Um, Don and John and does not, we don't see Don like running out of there. They never can seem to get away from disaster. They just seem to like hover around it. Um, anyway. So some would say they are the disaster. It could be. Um, maybe that's why they can't get away from it at the great Northern coop is there coming home, coming home to his, his room at the great Northern. And, um, he looks at uh, Caroline's photo, which he keeps in his wallet. Um, he misses out that Wyndham Earl walks directly past him, and it feels like Cooper would have like sensed it or something. You know what I mean? Like he would have yeah. had one of those like where he turned around because um, he would have felt him. Like he says literally, I think I feel him in the room or something like that. Um, but he couldn't feel him like two inches away from him earlier. Um, so Wintermerald was there to drop off one of those notes for Audrey. When yeah. Cooper gets to his room, he sees a He really was dressed as a Scottish man and didn't do a Scottish, ac- a Scottish accent, by the way. Well, yeah. Yeah. No accent, right? No. He did like a weird accent, but it was not Scottish. Yeah. I don't it know. Was, it's, was this kind of like a plaid suit? What was? I don't know what he was supposed to be. Yeah, it was whatever, a plaid suit. Whatever he was supposed to be was not Wintermerald, right? You know, yeah, yeah. So, um, Sorry, no, that's fine. Um, so there's a mask, a really creepy mask on Cooper's bed that the eyes are lit up. You only see half the face, like it's up to the nose. The 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 covering of the bed is up to the nose. And um, when he pulls the the bed the bread spread bed spread back, what am I trying to say? The the comforter back. Yeah, there um, you go. Sorry. 
Um, it's Caroline's mask. I'm guessing this was like her death mask. Um, and as soon as he pulls it up, the lights and the eyes go off and the tape player underneath it starts playing, which how do you rig that up? I don't know, but he's one to Merle. He's a genius. Apparently. So, um, the, basically the, the tape is kind of talking about Caroline's face. And then also it ends with him saying to Coop that it's his move. Um, yeah. And Dallas, it's your move. What did you think of this episode of Twin Peaks? Well, first off, <clears throat> I finally kind of see your point about how terrible of a character Malcolm is. Uh, he was definitely on par with the dude with the diary. Uh, and I somehow preferred Evelyn over him. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, but he was really bad. I didn't see it at first, but then, you know, you, you've seen the show, so you kind of knew what we were in store for. Uh, and I kind of liked the whole, like you said, like the civil war thing, it was funny and it took a storyline that I think everyone was like, where is this going to go? Sure. And it kind of gave it this nice little wrap up. Um, that was just kind of ended up being like stupid, but like not annoying, stupid, just like, ah, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that's fine. And I like all the characters that were involved. So that's fine. Yeah. So yeah, it was kind of weird, but I mean, again, better than episode 13. And I feel like, <clears throat> I feel like Wyndham Merle with Wyndham Merle, we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere closer to what the show was. Sure. It, it feels it's like, like a mysterious it's, thing. Yeah, and it feels like it's it's like there's a point again, right? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it feels like you know, with Laura Palmer, like that was like the death was the storyline, sure. but there was all this other stuff we didn't know, like, like mystical kind of stuff that was going on. And with Wendell Merle, it feels like th- there's something something to do with him as the storyline. I don't know what, but also again, we're back to like kind of being weird and mystical. Whereas, like, the storylines with John Renault and all of them, or Jacques, Jacques Renault or whatever they were, uh, those storylines were, like, was drugs. Yeah, it, the, the, um, the meat on the bones of that story were not as, like, like filling. Like, the, like yeah, Laura I mean, was perfect because it was, like, everything revolved around her, right? Like, but it was, yeah, unsolved that, murder in a small was, town. Yeah, she was, like... Um, you know, she was like the like sun that everything revolved around. And when that went away, it was like it was harder to have stuff attached to, you know, certain there was no plot line really to attach to. So like this whole kind of Windermere Coop thing is like the new kind of what you're kind of what's guiding the show. And the show really oh. has been begging for this since we lost Leland. Um yeah. And it and it, like to be honest it's not quite it's not a replacement like I, again this is why they never wanted to solve the mystery but it definitely is much better than episodes filled with, you know, like you said drug trafficking and you know orphans who may or may not be homicidal. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I said we're kind of at least ramping towards something. And, um, and as, and I, like, I don't want to give Diane Keaton too hard of a time because the moments that I feel like she goes over the top, 
they don't add up to a huge percentage of this episode. So it's not fair to say like, oh, well, she ruined this episode. It's just a little couple things that you can do without. But overall, this is still a great episode of Twin Peaks. Well, her episode of China Beach was amazing. So, <laughs> Have you seen that? Have you ever watched that show? You know, it was my mom's favorite show. Really? Yeah. So it was like we would watch that in Northern Exposure. I have no idea what China Beach is about. It's about um, the Vietnam War. Is it really? It's about a war. And I can't remember if it's the Vietnam War or, gosh, something like that. But, yeah, it's, 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 it revolves around a war. And they were stationed, like, on a beach. In China? I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. Okay. I can't remember. But, yeah, I remember it was, like, my mom's favorite show. There was some guy that was on the show that she thought was super cute. Uh, Lorenzo Lamas? It was Lorenzo Lamas. It was Wyndham Merle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Cool, man. Well, Dallas, thanks again for uh, Thank dishing you, the buddy. percolator. That was episode 15. We will be back with episode 16 soon. Um, follow us on Twitter at PercolatorPod. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Send us an email. Yeah, any questions, send emails. Um, we're getting excited for season three. I know I am. Um, I am. We have to get through this. We have to get you past season two. We have to be able to watch Firewalk with me with enough time for you to, to digest. For you to have to digest the season two finale and Firewalk with me. I need it to not be like a week. I need to give you a little bit more time than that before season three starts. So, um, All right. But season three, I'm super excited. Like at this point, still no one knows really anything. The they're not they're not doing. It appears they're not doing a trailer. So all we've seen is like two seconds of like you know one character. And I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but like they're really playing all their cards close to their chest. And I kind of hope that they just keep it that way. And like we don't know anything going into the season three premiere that would be the greatest thing but we'll see it's gonna be great <laughs> i'm worried about cope <laughs> um All yeah right, buddy thanks yeah, again dallas uh, thank you buddy uh, it's it's going great thumbs up diane keaton <laughs> do you ever think diane keaton's like sitting there she was sitting there after she directed china beach and she's I like just don't... <laughs> i wonder if meryl streep I wonder if I would have been Meryl, better than Meryl Streep in defending your life. No, I'm, see, you're, you're, you're uh, again, you're, you're taking, you're doing this wrong. It's not that she would have been better than Meryl Streep. You said that she couldn't do what Meryl Streep did in that movie, and I disagree. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mmm, yeah. Dig that, Kurtz. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then I saw your face. Then I saw your smile. The sky is still blue. The clouds come and go. 
Yet something is different. Are we falling in love? Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Don't let yourself be hurt this time. Then your kiss so soft, then your touch so warm. The stars still shine bright, the mountains still high. Yet something is different. Yes, something is different now. The guitar came in. I feel like I'm floating. Floating above a keyboard and a guitar. A guitar. Are we falling in love? Falling. Falling. Are we falling in love? Mmm. That's the ketchup. I like coffee. Donuts. <laughs> Russ Tamblin.